Did you know Shopify doesn't allow more than 100 combinations of options on a product? What? No. Fortunately, there's a solution. Bold Product Options app, the number one options app on Shopify. Tell me more. It allows you to create as many options on products as you want in every type you can imagine. Like what? File uploads, text fields, text areas, radio buttons, checkboxes, color swatches, date pickers, and a couple others I forgot. Wow. Now, not only can it change prices on products, or those options can actually be products too. How so? All right, here's an example. An option could be add the matching hat or add a protective case. And then when customers select it, it actually adds that product in the checkout, increasing your average order value. But I hate long forms. Well, to boost conversions, Bold's conditional logic feature lets you show or hide options based off of what customers pick. For example, if you select custom engraving, then we only want to show the custom engraving text field after they've checked that box. Okay, where can I get it? If you need sophisticated options or just more than the standard 100 variant limit, this is the app you need. Right now, Bold is offering listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast their product options app free for two months. Just go to kurtelster.com slash bold to install it and get your exclusive offer. That's kurtelster.com slash bold. I'm heading there now. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Today on the unofficial Shopify podcast, we are talking about email marketing strategies. Yeah, we're finally getting there. It's that time. It's happening. Black Friday, Cyber Monday. It's here. And to discuss it, of course, you have me, your host, Kurt Elster. Check mask. And I'm joined by Chase Diamond, a partner at Structured, which is a big deal e-commerce marketing agency been around uh, several years now, survived the pandemic, congratulations. And since June of 2018, they have sent a billion emails, generating 75 million in attributable revenue. I love that. That is, so clearly uh, a gentleman who knows what he's talking about. And I've, I've been following this guy on Twitter for uh, several months now and really getting a lot of value out of his content. So I'm like, all right, I got to get this guy on my show. And so I was thrilled when he said, said yes to letting me pick his brain with you folks. Uh, and a few of their past clients, Orgain, The Chive, Original Grain, and CrossNet. That's great. I've heard of two or four of those. All right. So maybe maybe I'm, I'm still in the loop here. Uh, Chase, how you doing? Welcome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. My, my day was solid other than I had my first post-pandemic traffic jam. I sat in just bumper to bumper traffic for half an hour. And uh, honestly, at this currently uh, kind of novel, I really was not that bothered. It was just, you know, a little bit of a, a waste of time. But beyond that, it's okay. Where it's so funny based? having not done that for so long. I hear you. I mean, not having to commute is pretty nice. So I guess having to deal with it once in a while kind of reminds you of, of the old times, right? <laughs> I'm sure we'll be back to it at some point. Or maybe not. I don't know. Work from home is kind of an acceptable standard desirable thing now everybody I, should work from home so it's not to mess up my commute 
Yeah, you get to work from house, wear sweats, you get to go to the kitchen whenever. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, okay, let's all right, chase focus. Let's quit talking <laughs> about traffic jams, all right? <laughs> Nobody cares. They've all experienced this horror. So today, as of when this episode goes live, is October 19th. And so we're, we're getting close to the wire uh, with, with Black Friday. We really need to start putting things together now. But I want to know, 2020 was weird. Certainly, right? 2021, also different. What is different or the same about th- this year than in years past? What consideration should I be making? Man, I th- oh, a lot. I mean, there's everything, right? We, we don't have to go too deep into it, but there's everything from all the shipping and people getting products and all the expenses and Facebook and Instagram and iOS 14, iOS 14.5, and iOS 15, right? iOS 15 rolled out on September 20th. So there's there's a lot that's different. I think what's the same, right, is really a putting the customer first, right? Really being transparent and putting the customer first. That's very much the same now. I think even probably more important today than it was prior. I think also starting earlier is super important, right? So for a lot of our clients, I think every single year it starts a week or two earlier. This this year it's obviously no different. We're starting earlier, and I think this year we're really being uh, mindful on how we communicate messaging, and we're letting people know. Um, you know, inventory is low and these are shipping cutoff dates and this is what you need to do. But doing it in a way that's not like come across as like this is marketing and they're trying to mess with me psychologically. Like we are being very transparent and very real. And I think that's super important. So there's a lot going on. I think starting early, being prepared and just being open and honest with your community and your customers, I think will go a long way. I love this strategy because it's just good good advice in general, right? Like, hey, be open and honest. Well, Geez, open and honest communication is kind of the cornerstone of all successful relationships. You know, whether it is uh, your marriage or your relationship with your customers, and I think it, customers are increasingly sophisticated, and they know that they can sniff out BS. And so, I think your advice really is saying, "Hey, you have to go to them and say, look, here's the cutoff date, so you got to buy before then because." And Shipageddon is in our recent memory. And hey, this stuff is in stock now, but in limited quantity. And so you don't want it to come across as like, well, you're just trying to induce scarcity, urgency, FOMO, right? Um, but it's also the truth. So you, you're you right. You have to communicate it in, in an empathetic way. And the examples I've seen that I really liked are like first person uh, plain text emails largely from the founder, from the owner saying like, here's what's going on. Hey, order your stuff earlier. If you, you know, you want to be certain you get it. And like, we're not just trying to get you to buy. It is what it is. And fortunately with national news covering supply chain shortages, the white house issuing statements about it. Now, um, the, as of this recording that it should be, it should feel legitimate. I think. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and, a, and a couple other things come to mind. I, I think the other thing that we're really learning this year is so I'm an email marketer through and through. You know, I run an agency that we do a couple other things, but one of the, the tools that we recently launched was SMS, right? SMS channel. And the reason that I like SMS, and again, what we'll focus mainly on email, is the fact that we could really communicate with customers or subscribers in real time when things are happening, right? Email is a great channel, but people don't open your email for 15 minutes, an hour, a couple hours typically after you send it. And most people are going to open within 24 hours that are ever going to open that email. With with text messages, right? People are opening that instantly, you know, a few seconds, few minutes. So I think being able to expand the channels that we're able to communicate with customers, obviously with SMS and text messages, you have to be a lot shorter in form, right? I think it's 160 characters. Um, but just kind of trying to meet customers where they are and being able to hit them up saying, even if you send an email out and the stock runs out, being able to send a text saying, hey, so sorry, we ran out of stock, right? Or being able to introduce things. I think SMS is a really interesting new channel. And then in addition to that, and I think we could talk about this maybe a little bit down the road on this podcast, but you know, in let's say like the abandoned cart or the abandoned checkout and some of these series where people are looking at specific products or specific items, um, being able to communicate ahead of Black Friday and Cyber Monday that while we don't have the best discount right now, the item is in stock, right? So there's going to be this trade-off between do you want the product for yourself or for a loved one or for someone now? If so, make sure you buy it today. It's not going to be as great of a discount than it will be in a few weeks or a few months, but at least you can get your hands on it, right? So we're kind of updating some of the messaging now, and we're starting to see some early success with that because, again, it's true. It's valid to your point. 
it's kind of in the mainstream media that all these things are legitimate. I love this idea because this is one of the things I've been wrestling with is like, what is the key message this year in 2021? Uh, and because of these issues and because of them uh, being at the forefront, top of mind for people, is this year's hottest subject line in stock ready to ship? Or is this year's hottest subject line like, you know, the 50% off store wide? And oh, the answer sounds like the answer is maybe both, like depending on the person. I think early on it's, hey, you know, if you want to guarantee you get this stuff by now, if you want a discount, but risk not getting it, try waiting. I mean, is that what we're doing now? <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on like, I mean, again, who depends on who's listening to this, right? Because I think the answer is all of the above and probably none of the above, right? Or, or, or some of the above. I think, Good right, that the larger retailers are going to be the ones that probably have enough inventory because they have the deep pockets, right? I even saw an article the other day that I think Costco and Walmart or Target or someone, they're now chartering their own ships and their own, uh, you know, basically logistics and inventory. And they're spending, I think, $100,000 a day to charter and go get their inventory, whereas before they're paying... 25,000, right? So I think some of these big brands are going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they are the, the ones that have the 50% off subject line. Whereas unfortunately, the small brands and the medium sized brands, the ones that you know we want to be supporting the ones that we work with the ones that we want to see win the, the smaller guys, I think unfortunately, they're probably going to have a bit of both, right? I think, um, yeah, it just it just depends. So I'm hoping that the small guys and medium guys are going to pull through. But it's it's a scary time. I mean, top of funnel is not easy with Facebook and Instagram and iOS and all that. You know, email now with iOS 15 is still a great channel, but there's a little bit of stuff going on in the gray. It's a it's an interesting time coming up for the biggest time of the year, right? The Super Bowl of e-commerce, as the experts are calling it. The Super Bowl of e-commerce. I do, I do love calling it that. Uh, what? Uh, well, now that we're we're dealing with iOS 15, and what it does is when you first open Mail app, Mail app, you know, great name. Uh, it tells you, hey, did you want to opt in to privacy? And it like, who's going to say no to that, right? And so you, most people, I think, I just was like, yeah, hell yeah, click it. I think most people do. And what it does is it breaks open tracking. So in uh, your open rates aren't going to get reflected on people who run these devices. And same with like in Gmail, um, you know, it doesn't open images by default, but it also you really don't see anything. Um, and so your your open rates are now going to skew down. I'm that's got to spook people. What can I do? I know I can't control open rates, but I probably can improve deliverability so that I can worry less about my open rate that I can no longer track right. Any you have to know what do I do now to improve my deliverability later? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, again, these are things that we're trying, whether we're right or wrong. You know, we'll find out probably in a couple of weeks, couple of months, right? Because it's so early. You know, at the time of this going live, iOS 15 has only been around for give or take about a month. So there's still a lot of learnings that are happening. You know, we're kind of going back and forth on this. So in, you know, pre iOS 15 times, we never ever leveraged double opt-in. Double opt-in is something that ESPs, uh, email service providers, right? They love, they, they always recommend it. They have it on by default, but marketers and brands hate it, right? Because you pay to acquire these subscribers. You don't want to make them double confirm that they wanted to get your offers and be on your list. Um, and that's kind of something that we're tossing around now is like, we don't love it just because the amount of people that actually, you know, end up double opting in is a lot smaller than the people actual that enter their email into your pop up or whatever. But that's one thing that we're, we're thinking about and looking at, right, is like, if someone actually has to confirm and click a link within that email, that means, you know, they're probably going to be ones that could be over time, a good subscriber, or a good customer, right? So that's one thing that we're looking at, right, is how many people that opt in actually, you know, confirm. And is that making sense for the business? And with those things, it takes time, right? It's going to take time for us to understand, is this a good move? This is a bad move. So we're testing it with a small sliver of our clients. That's one. You know, two is really nailing down kind of the content, right? And th there's obviously not as much that you can do because you're kind of a little bit limited by seeing how many people open it because it's kind of nice to know of the people that open it, how many people actually engage and click through. That's a really important metric, the, the click to open. Um, but we're we're still running A/B tests on everything from offers to plain text versus HTML, uh, call to actions, and really trying to figure out like what does this particular client's audience or what does this particular brand's audience resonate with, right? Um, are they only buying if there's flash sales because they've kind of become a discount brand, or are they actually buying because they want to support the brand? And 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 what is the language, right? 
Um, so we're definitely testing a lot. I, we've been doing a lot more plain text emails, like to your point from the founder or a community manager or from a spokesperson. Um, and there's one email that comes to mind. It's not a client of ours, but someone um, that's on Twitter that some of you guys might know. His name is Patrick. He runs a company called Supply Co. And he has this email around this time of year, I think at least from last year, I remember it, where he tells people, don't buy from us right now. Do not buy from us right now in the middle of October. Wait until you know we run our biggest sale of the year and buy from us then, right? So I think things like that is really great. Plain text, being again, going back to the whole transparency, letting people know that these things are coming. Um, so kind of going back to the, the iOS thing though, you know, just understanding kind of your audience. And unfortunately with a lot of the stuff, the bigger your audience is, the more that you're going to get. So again, the big guys are going to keep winning because they have such a massive data set that they can still run open rate A-B tests because they have a lot of other people that aren't just on Apple devices where they actually can get kind of a pulse on what's happening. So there's also some interesting things there where like, you know, I think initially when it first rolled out, I thought, oh man, A-B testing open rates is dead forever. And to some degrees, it's not going to be as effective and it's not going to be you know, as accurate, but it's still actually giving us some indication for some of our lists that have 100,000, 500,000, a million people, just because there's enough people that aren't on Apple, that at least tells us if something's skewing one way or, or the other, but still being able to test, you know, content within the email is super important. And now that we've been doing more SMS, kind of jumping to that thing, they've never had open, right? Right. And SMS still lives and it still is a great channel. It's increasing popularity. So long winded, you know, iOS 15 is is not ideal. You know, I'm I'm I wish I still could see open rates. It's not the most important metric, but it's a nice kind of pulse of figuring out, you know, how are we trending, who's in semi-engaged, who's not engaged. But it's definitely not the end of the world. I think it's gonna be a great channel, uh, especially for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, because you don't have to pay more money to reach these people. You know, you're gonna be able to hit them one, two, as many times as you want and and hopefully be able to drive, you know, a lot of revenue at a profitable amount. Yeah, the you know, as far as uh, this iOS privacy uh, changes, these feature set they're adding, <coughs> this like very privacy focus. This is clearly where they're going, and that iOS fourteen point five change that really wrecked up uh, Facebook attribution and in turn uh, seemingly like the effectiveness of the algorithm and lookalike audiences in general. Uh, that was that was detrimental. That was painful. The open rate issue I have found to be significantly less impactful. I mean, just straight up. Like, it, you know, it's not ideal, but this one really, um, you know, I don't think this should be keeping people up at night the same way uh, the 14.5 the change related to the Facebook pixel did. Yeah, so 100%, 100% agreed. What, what's the number one thing merchants get wrong? Like, what is the, you? I bet you have a pet peeve. Like, what's the thing that drives you nuts about people getting ready right now for Black Friday? Yeah, I think two things come to mind. I think one is just doing blanket discounts and offers without any testing or rationale behind why you're doing it, right? So I think in the weeks leading up to uh, BFCM, really starting to test offers, and it can literally be as simple as this. So say you're a brand that has a $50 AOV, so a $50 average order value. You literally could test the difference between a 10% off versus a $5 off. It's the exact same amount, but you believe it or not, like just the positioning and the psychology of a percentage off versus a dollar off might move the needle in a significant way or at least a somewhat meaningful way and that scale obviously that compounds so i think testing offers right now uh, dollars off versus percentage off free products with purchase free shipping really trying to nail down like what you're going to go with and also keeping a pulse honestly of what the competition's doing what are your competitors doing uh, what's the industry doing and you want to make sure that you're benchmarking around the same you don't want to be way over because you're probably leaving money on the table and you probably don't want to be way under what your competitors and other people are doing because you're probably not going to be getting the sales. So I think that's one, right? Is people just do these blanket offers and they have no idea why they do this. They have no strategy behind it. So really getting you know, aligned on like what's happening in your industry, what's happening with your competitors, and what is the best for your particular audience. And you have to test that. I think that's one. Two is you know the whole batching and blasting, right? For whatever reason, BFCM, people just throw out the window, all the rules that are applicable, for 99% of the year, they just batch and blast without any kind of warm up or any kind of increase in frequency. So let me give you kind of an example. I think most brands that are probably listening to this, and most brands that probably aren't listening to this, they're probably sending maybe one to three campaigns per week, right? Three is probably the upper end of it. And one campaign a week is probably maybe average, right? So they're sending a handful of campaigns a month, emails a channel that they do, but it's not the primary focus. So they go from doing one to three, and now all of a sudden for Black Friday, Saturday, Monday, they're sending a daily campaign, maybe every 
every day they're sending a resend, or maybe they're doing multiple campaigns per day. So just that fluctuation and that frequency and going from like one to, to seven plus, um, that does a couple of things. I think one for your team, just being able to actually have the bandwidth to do that, that's going to be challenging if you don't work up to it. Two, that's going to set off some red flags with the ISPs, that, you know, the Googles, the Yahoo's, the Hotmails of, of the world. If you go from not sending super frequently to just sending every single day, they might think, you know, you got hacked or you're kind of a spammer if you're kind of, you know, doing these behaviors, right? So I think leveraging these coming weeks ahead of time to go from one to two, two to three, three to four, four to five, right? Slowly increase that pace. Obviously, you don't want to go daily before, especially if you only went once per week, but you want to kind of inch up. And then alongside that, right, I think people just are going to batch and blast their entire list without actually warming up to it. So in the weeks leading up to it, start with your engaged segment if you aren't hitting them already. Slowly incorporate. So say, let's just say for easy numbers, you're leveraging a 60-day engaged right now. So it's people that had opened or clicked in the last 60 days. You know, fortunately, we, we still have metrics for the last you know few months based off of people that had opened. So we can still leverage that to some degree. Um, we're going to want to hit those people, right? And then as the campaigns allow, we're going to want to increment out to like a 75-day engaged, a 90-day engaged, a 120-day engaged. And eventually over time on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, for one or two cents, we might want to hit the full list. But then we really want to come back to just hitting kind of your engaged core segment um, and not hit the full list on every single send of that entire week. So I think those are the couple of things. So those the offers, not testing them, and then batching and blasting and just ramping the frequency of sends without actually, you know, working up to it. So I, I test my offers by instead of like saying, okay, here's I want to try um Either in my email software, I could do split testing or it'll let me do it. And I do it to a small sample of the total list. And then if I, uh, or if my software doesn't support split testing, I just send it to a, a small percentage of the list, right? Yep. Okay. So then I, and then that way I could compare it. So I know like, all right, this was, this was or wasn't effective. Um, and then I need to be segmenting. So you said, well, let's set it to an engaged list uh define a couple segments for me yeah and real quickly on the offer side um i was kind of talking about email but that advice is applicable to anything right on your facebook ads and instagram ads test different offers to different audiences to see what brings in the most number of people at the least cost of acquisition uh, on your website right maybe you you a b test different pop-ups to different groups of people um, for this offer or that offer you know, in your email, you could test it to a small portion, or maybe you're just saying, hey, you know, I'm pretty bullish on these two offers. I'm just going to split it 50-50 because I want a lot of data to see which is going to work. Because right now, you know, it's great if we get conversions, but we're really gearing up for BFC and we really want to know what's going to work then. It's great if we drive conversions now and we can leverage Halloween, right? By the time this episode's out, you know, Halloween will be, you know, about a week, week and a half away, depending on when people listen to it. So test it for Halloween. That's a great time to do an offer, um, if obviously if applicable or relevant. Um, test it for there. Like what offer makes sense? Um, does someone want a free product when they buy something from you over a certain AOV? Do you want to try to do a bundle to increase the amount of money that people are spending with you? Do you want to have tiered incentives where the more that people spend, the higher discount they get? So say your product has a $50 AOV, maybe from zero to $50, someone gets 10% off. Maybe from $51 to $99, they get 15% off. And maybe any orders over $100, they get 20% off, right? So there's so many ways that you can take this and really be creative with it and just have some fun. So that's on the the offer side. And then what was the the next question? Oh geez, I don't remember. I got excited cuz you you rattled off my literally my three favorite promotions, which is a uh, tiered discount, free gift with purchase, where it's like minimum uh you take like your AOV plus 10%. Okay, that you have to hit that and then you get, you know, free pin or whatever the heck. Um and then the third one uh was it bundle offer? Yep. Yep. And I remember the, I remember the question you asked about segments, like what are some segments? segments? That was it. Thank yep. you. Cool. So a couple that come to mind um, are, are your VIPs. So that could be defined as, again, it might be different for you, but just on average, it could be defined as someone who's placed an order that's, you know, three to five times more than someone typically spends or someone that's spent, you know, two to three X to AOV, right? So someone that spent, say if it's a $50 AOV, uh, someone spent a hundred to $150, right? Or if you want to do it the other way based on LTV, someone spent three times the amount of your average customer, right? So if you find your average customer spending about $100, you know, maybe someone that's an you know, VIP could be spending $200, $300, $400 uh, with your store. So a VIP is a great one. Um, one interesting thought that we had uh, a little earlier this year that we've been starting to test is 
not just VIPs based off dollar spend, right? That's obvious. That's great. You have to take care of those. But VIPs based off of engagement. So people that are opening every email, people that are clicking every single email, people that are active in your community, people that are hitting reply, like you can build out a sliver of those people and kind of reward those people for their engagement throughout the year and give them an extra offer, right? Those people that are heavily engaged in your brand, and maybe they've purchased from you once or twice, but they haven't purchased three or five times. Those are your first, those are the going to be the future VIPs based off dollar spend. So having like a sliver of people that are heavy engagers and basically calling out and rewarding those folks is a really nice thing to do. And that's something that we're testing and seeing a lot of success with these people that are VIPs. Sure, they, they want to save money, but that's not really their incentive. And that's not really their goal. VIPs want to be the first to know about things, right? They want to be like on the inside loop. Those are typically the people that are going to join your SMS, right? SMS is typically like this VIP club of like your top 10%. So trying to incorporate VIPs, not just on dollar spent, that's important, but also based on uh, engagement. Um, you'll have things like the, I mentioned before, like the 60-day engage, the 30-day engage, the 90-day engage. That's basically someone has opened or clicked over the last 30, 60, 90, 120 days. Maybe someone that's purchased in the last 90 days, right? So purchased in the last 60 days, 120 days, um, things like that. Those are some ones that come to mind. You know, other segments that, um, we had been leveraging in the past had been around ge geography. So if people were in the US, maybe you're doing a free shipping offer in, in the US, you're segmenting those people out. And then internationally, you just send a separate campaign. Uh, we were segmenting based off gender in some cases. So um, Klaviyo is one of the email platforms we use. They have this thing called predictive analytics, where you can basically say uh, someone's likely male, female, or unsure. And they're basically just taking like census data based off someone's first name. And they're going to say, I was going to hey, ask, like, how accurate is that? Because I've used it with a client um, that had a, a big list and a varied audience. Uh, and it, I would randomly pick profiles and, like, look at the name and try and make a best guess or, like, look at what they'd purchased. And uh, it was remarkably accurate. Like, it wasn't always perfect, but it worked pretty well. Yeah. In our, in our testing, like, again, we've just been spot testing on a couple of accounts. It's more or less like nine out of 10 times been pretty close. And what we do um, in the case of leveraging gender is we'll have a fallback. So say we're sending a campaign to men, we'll have all the men's uh, kind of items, men's products up front on, on the top, and the bottom half will then be the women's. And then for women's, it'll be women's on top and men's on bottom. So we kind of cover our bases in case you know we they're wrong, because they're going to be wrong. They're not going to be perfect, but it's been pretty interesting, right? So like, for example, your name, Kurt, you know, they're going to say that you're likely male, right? There's probably not any females that are or named Kurt, right? And if they are, I apologize. But, um, you know, for, for example, like the name Taylor, they are going to say, or they, at least they should say that they're unsure because Taylor is both a male and a female name. And the name like Veronica, they're going to say something like that's likely female, right? So in a lot of cases, just because they're pulling from a large pool of data based off census, and they're basically saying with 99% accuracy, if this name is male versus female, they're going to indicate it. So that's kind of an, an interesting one that we've done. And, and just showing the order in which products for that specific audience so men seeing men's products first versus kind of a combination and women seeing you know women's stuff first we have seen kind of a small ipt, a kind of increase in uptake and click through and conversion i you know my census data says that a name like chase diamond is most likely the here the protagonist in a heist novel <laughs> yeah yeah well, let's test that yeah we'll 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 Let's uh let's try a couple of these uh the census data see how it works out. No, that's good to know and I think like that's it's a neat feature and I've used it successfully. And really like anything you could do that increases relevance makes your marketing more effective cuz ultimately it's like it's less annoying. The worst is you know when I'm like op when you open your mailbox and you get you know junk mail and it's not even addressed to you, right? Like <laughs> that's the feeling and the situation you're trying to avoid with these tools. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15% overnight? This is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Don't worry, Tom Cruise. This mission isn't impossible. Just use Zipify one-click upsell. Got mobile optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions, plus built-in split testing for maximizing your results. It's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $162 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Kurt, K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, 
Email help at Zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Let's move into planning. We're still pre-Halloween, but we have the specter of supply shortages. What? So we're in the pre-phase. What should I be doing now? Yeah, I'll break down. So we'll talk about campaigns, flows, and pop-ups. And I'll kind of breeze through each mm. one quickly. Okay, I love it. So on the campaign side, pre-Black Friday Monday campaign side, you really want to focus on teasing upcoming sales, right? But we largely want to focus on getting people to engage. We want people to reply. We want people to click. We want people to move us from the promotions into primary. We want people basically just to engage and be kind of very top of mind with them. And we don't want to burn them out with too many promotions before Black Friday Monday, right? We want to do some. We need to do some testing. But we don't want to do as aggressive as we typically do. Um, or overly aggressive leading up to it, right? Let's save the big sales for the big week, but let's start testing here and there, but mainly focus on getting people to engage, letting them know what's coming, hyping things up, giving them content, sharing stuff about the team, things like that. On the automation side, we want to start kind of slowly moving towards being BFCM oriented. And I mentioned kind of this a little bit before, and we're going to kind of double back on it because I think it's important. So let's say, for example, like in your abandonment series, the browse abandonment, the abandoned cart, the abandoned checkout. And yes, the abandoned cart and the abandoned checkout are two different things. And you do need to have both. I think that's super important. And that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I see brands have. Um, kind of a quick tangent, but like if you're using Klaviyo and Shopify, by default, what you have in your account actually is an abandoned checkout because you'll, you'll notice that the trigger is started checkout or, or checkout started, but it's titled an abandoned cart. I don't know why they do that, but go in your account. After this podcast, make sure you listen to the end, but go into your account right after this and check to see if your abandoned cart titled is actually an abandoned cart or an abandoned checkout. For Shopify stores and Klaviyo, you have to go add a, uh, basically a snippet of code to your product liquid theme on Shopify that will enable a custom added to cart metric, which will then enable you to do a true abandoned cart. So if we think about the funnel, and again, apologies for the, the tangent, but if we think about the funnel, the most number of people are going to be on, on your homepage and the least number of people are going to make it through checking out, right? And at each step in the drop-off, right, people are on your website, looking at a collection, looking at a product, adding to cart, starting checkout, and, and buying. For each drop-off, you want to serve people content. So if someone is on your email list, use a product, but doesn't add to cart, doesn't start checkout, or doesn't buy, you want to serve them the browse abandonment. If someone does those things and then adds to cart, but doesn't do the other things, instead of sending the browse abandonment, you want to send the abandoned cart. However, if people do all those things, and then start checkout, but don't buy, you're going to want to pause the browse abandonment. You're going to want to not send the abandoned cart. And instead, you're going to want to do the abandoned checkout. You need to make sure that you have all three of those abandoned flows because they all drive a lot of revenue. The abandoned checkout is going to have the highest conversion because people are furthest down the funnel, but it's going to have the least number of people. The browse abandonment is going to have the most number of people because most number of people are looking at collections or products, right? So as a percentage of conversion, browse abandonment should be the least. But the revenue could be pretty big because the volume is going to be there. So that's kind of the tangent. But going back to kind of the um, the content. So for the browse abandonment, the abandoned cart, abandoned checkout, you want to allude again to the fact that the product that they're interested in might not be in stock due to heavy promotions, due to inventory shortage, due to all these types of things. So instead of going heavy on discounts in these abandonment series, these people obviously have some level of interest. They're on your email list. They're viewing a product. They're adding to cart. They're starting checkout. Right? You want to just say, hey. This item that you're looking at or these items that you're looking at, these are great. Um, just to let you know, there's a good chance that these might sell out in the coming weeks. So if you want this, please grab it now, right? And you don't have to relegate to doing as many discounts. Maybe you still could have like a 10% off or something if it's standard, but you don't need aggressive 20, 30, 40% off. And then lastly, right. oh, sorry. So hold on, let me recap here. I should, even if, all right, so even if I've got the, like the Clavio integration app installed in Shopify, the th there's a couple snippets it doesn't necessarily do. It does not add the add to cart event snippet because that really, like, it's so theme dependent. It would be kind of a nightmare to implement automatically. Yep. Um, I say that as a the owner of a few Shopify apps that have to install theme code. Um, so that part you have to do manually. And, like, it, you probably want uh, in, someone with theme development experience to do it. The other one, uh, does it add the product viewed code? You have to do no? that one too. And you have to do that one okay. first. So for the active on site or the viewed product, you have to do that one first. And then you do the abandoned cart, the added to cart metrics second. So that's a good point. Okay. 
All right, so we do that, and then once I have that now in my automation flows, I can distinguish between you looked at something, you added it to cart, you went to cart, you started checkout. Exactly. So the, the browse okay. abandonment will be viewed product metric. The abandoned cart will be added to cart or add to cart, and then the abandoned checkout will be uh, checkout started or started checkout. So that's how you'll be able to distinguish between the, the metrics. Okay, and then so it, I update the messaging on those uh, emails, the the flows to make it really relevant to right now and say, hey, you're checking this out. It's in stock right now and ready to ship. It may not be later. And then I don't have to discount. And I'm doing this in a really like personalized one-to-one way. Yes. Okay. I like it. This is very, this is, it, it is smart and easily overlooked. Awesome. And then the last one on the pre side, and we can talk about during and post if you'd like after, but uh, the pop-up really should excite customers by mentioning that they're going to receive special deals once they're on their list. That being said, you can expect that these leads might be cold until the actual BFCM time period, right? You know, if, if you're kind of hyping and teasing that in a few weeks, you know, we're going to have the best sales of the year, um, you know, and you only have a 10% off sale now, they're probably not going to buy right now. Again, unless they get into your flows or get into your content and they're more, you know, driven by FOMO and by the kind of the potential limited inventory. And again, this is probably going to be better for brands that are doing probably like like eight figures, low eight figures or less, right? Like if you're Walmart or Target and you're listening to this, like you have a lot of inventory, don't trick people, right? Um, but for everyone else, like that's, you know, medium or small size, like I think this is heavily applicable. I also think too, like we saw a really big movement going back to, I think, to the first question you asked me on the start of this. I think we saw a big movement over the past year and a half towards wanting to support small and local businesses, right? So I think being able to leverage some of that in your messaging in a way that doesn't seem like you're asking for a donation or asking for like a charity, right? You're not you're not begging, but I think leveraging some of the fact that like you're a small family-owned local business, whatever it might be, whatever is part of your story, I think leveraging some of that stuff within some of your campaigns and your automations in this time ahead of it might sway someone towards supporting and buying from you over your competitor. That's this massive company where they get a couple extra sales. It doesn't really mean much for them but for you a couple extra sales might be impactful so this is where i want to and i immediately i thought story and then you um, mentioned story so here's where i want to know and leverage and communicate that story um of of the brand like here's why we do this that kind of thing and really be a person as opposed to a brand where it's like hey you know i'm the person behind this like one great example i i like um is is very good bra and this woman who makes a uh, very good bra, it's in Australia. And they send, um, she sends these wonderful plain text emails, but it's always like, it's first person, it's from her. And you, you get the story of like, here's why we do this. Here's what's going on with inventory. Here's, oh, hey, we restocked, but here's why we were able to do that. So it always comes across as like total transparency. And that makes the brand trustworthy. So when they come to me later and say, hey, We've got this item. It's back in stock, but it's limited. And you know, here's why. It also and it helps justify the the value and the cost as opposed to you know buying from uh, you know discounted items from like a Target or a Walmart. Um, so yeah, I think that like that's the hard part is writing your story. But I think that really is that's the value to this medium. Yeah, and uh, but I love that. I do want to jump into one of the things you said that's actually really important. So if your items do go out of stock, right, like that's probably going to be in inevitable. Make sure that you have an, an email collection for that item. So that way, when it comes back in stock, you have a list of potential buyers, right? So the back as you're in stock that, form. Yes, exactly. So you're, you're going to sell out of inventory on something, right? Maybe not everything, but something. Obviously, your popular products are going to sell out. Make sure you have on that product page a form where you can actually collect the email. That way you can notify those people when that item's back in stock. And one hack there that I have that um, I haven't seen anyone ever do this or talk about this is, okay, so back in stock, right? Typically, people wait until the item's actually back in stock to send an email. What we do and what we see work really, really well is we send it a confirmation once people actually opt in to the back in stock saying, you know, hey, Kurt, you know, for this wallet that you wanted, we will let you know when it's back in stock. But in the meantime, as our way of saying, sorry, here's a 10% off discount that you can shop on anything else that is in stock. And don't worry, we'll let you know when this wallet's back, you know, in the coming weeks, right? And that email just confirming that item, you know, hey, you're going to get this notification when it's back. But in the meantime, as our way of saying, sorry, here's a discount on anything else. 
we are seeing that email drive a lot of revenue and a lot of engagement for our clients. I've never seen anyone do that, never seen anyone talk about that, but it's really successful. So we typically send it five minutes after someone opts in to receive notifications on that product. That's clever. I have never tried that one. I will say definitely set up that back in stock flow and form. Um, and that's another one where it it's built into, it's a feature in Klaviyo, but you need to do a little bit of theme customization. And again, it's, hey, you got to mess with that product form, which is rarely fun. So you better know what you're doing. Yep, exactly. And one other thing that we're talking about forms, um, again, I'm email guy through and through, but I'm seeing the kind of the increase in terms of conversion and success with SMS. Um, so even if you're not doing SMS now, I highly recommend that you start collecting those SMS consent and in the order in which you collect it for my testing matters. So asking for the email first performs better than asking for phone number first. So what I would do is that I have a two-step or a multi-step form where you ask for email. So that way you collect that. And on the next step, you ask for SMS. All you really need to do is have an SMS confirmation email that goes out that says, hey, Kurt, you know, are you sure you want to opt into this? You know, hit what? At the very least, during this heavy traffic time, start collecting SMS consent, even if you don't do anything with it until Q1 you're going to want to build that list. You're going to get a percentage of people, maybe 5%, maybe 8%, maybe 10% of people um, that actually opt into your SMS list. And if you're getting an increase in traffic, you know, you could be getting 100 people, you could get 500 people, you could get thousands of people onto your SMS list that will really make that a really viable channel for Q1 and beyond. Yeah, you're, you're not going to regret collecting those opt-ins and having the option. And yes. with SMS, the time-stamped opt-in is the critical thing that you have to have to be able to use it. Yes. And so maybe you're like, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I might not use it. I don't care. If you change your mind later, you're going to regret it. If you don't and don't use it, you probably won't care. Like it really, it doesn't cost you anything. So I, I agree with this advice and Shopify now supports they've got in, you go settings checkout and you can enable just a, an SMS opt-in checkbox, same as that email opt-in checkbox. Whereas previously, like an app had to do it for you. Now it's native in Shopify as of, um, I think, this month. Yeah, I think before it was Shopify Plus exclusive. And now it's yeah. universal Shopify, which is, that's that's a huge one, right? Because when people are at checkout, like they're going to fill that stuff out. You have to, you're basically hurting yourself if you're not doing that, right? It's a no-brainer. Just, just do it. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so that's our, our pre. Now... During the event, when, or so when do my sales start? When do I start firing off emails just like it's going out of style? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it depends. So the, the big guys, we, we were studying some of the data off of like the Macy's and the Nordstrom's and the targets of the world. So for, from what I remember, I think Macy's starts launching their stuff the first week of November, right? So the first week of November, they're kind of doing their sneak peek into what's to come. Target, I think last year started doing it at the end of October started doing like weekly deals every Thursday and it was doing something special for like their red card holders or something where they offered like price adjustments if the product changed to be more discounted later. I think Walmart was starting like early kind of November. Home Depot was starting end of October, early November. So the big guys are starting early and I think a lot of them benefited greatly from that. You know, for for kind of the smaller to mid-sized brands, the ones that, you know, maybe listening and the ones that I work with, you know, I think starting probably like a week or two early could be good, right? You don't want to obviously go a month, two months early, but I think like a week or two earlier than the actual week is probably a good amount of time to at least get things going or at least launch early to your VIPs. Again, the VIPs based off dollar spends and or the VIPs based off engagement. I think at least giving those guys a heads up like a week or two out is, is really helpful. Um, in terms of like the actual content itself, so on the campaign side, I alluded to this earlier, but your campaign strategy should be more aggressive than average. Again, please work up to it. Don't go from zero to 100 overnight. Um, work up to this because you might be sending a daily email from, you know, let's say Monday to Monday, right? The week before Cyber Monday, all the way through Cyber Monday. And maybe you're even going to do an extension, right? I see a lot of brands extend it to the Tuesday or, or Wednesday. Um, you might even do a resend to non you know, buyers or something. So there's going to be a lot of campaign sense. You're going to be more aggressive and, you know, customers and subscribers expect it during this week. So don't be scared of that part. And then on the same note, your flow should trigger a lot earlier. So let's give the case of the abandoned cart, right? So say the abandoned cart email one typically sends, let's say like two hours after someone abandons their cart. 
And let's say if they don't convert email two, probably goes, you know, a day after email one. And then maybe email three, if they still don't convert, goes another day out, right? So now we're at about two and a half to three days out that someone might have received potentially this abandoned cart sequence. We want to be way more aggressive. We're going to want to send that first abandoned cart like 15 to 30 minutes later, right? The window of time to be able to convert these people is really small. Um, email two, we might want to follow up like four to six hours later. And then email three, we might want to follow up like 10 to 12 hours later, right? So you know that might be a little too aggressive and a little bit too much for you. But I would rather be a little bit more aggressive and squeeze more revenue during this period of time than let them buy from you know a competitor. So I would just increase the frequency of the time delays um, by at least half of what you have it now, if not more. I like it. Yeah, that's no, that, that's a really smart, solid point. My gosh, I can't believe I missed that. <laughs> it's a good. All right, so take whatever on on those abandoned cart flows, my uh, viewed product browse browse abandonment flows, those things. Take whatever much time it's running minimum cut it in half and ideally just run it a lot quicker because it is suddenly my sales cycle got really compressed yep. and people have a finite budget. They're not going to wait around to be like, well, you know, I impulse bought this thing because it was on sale and this thing. Well, I'll buy your thing. No, there is a budget. There is only so much to spend. And same with like just gifting in general. You have an idea of how much you want to spend on a person or per person or total. So you've got... and. It's it, the one time of year where everyone is screaming for those dollars. So you really have like this. You, you're right. You got to move fast. Yeah, agreed. Should we dive into to the post real quick? Yeah, let's jump on on post. So on the post BFCM, the campaigns, again, we, for a little bit of time, we want to refrain from mentioning discounts or promotions, right? Maybe a couple weeks, maybe like a month or two, right? Don't go back into discount mode, right? Give people some time to breathe or at least exclude if you're going to do heavy discounts or campaigns or, or some discounts, at least exclude people that bought from you during that period of time, right? You know, those buyers are going to be exhausted. You're just going to burn them if you keep hitting them with discounts. Instead, you want to focus on engaging the customers with stories, educational content, getting them to reply, you know, getting them to take actions. Um, that's on the campaign side, right? You really want to just get them to engage, get to know you, um, get them to learn, but really give them some space to breathe. Don't hit them every single day. Don't overwhelm them with discounts. And on the flow side, we will really want to position this and focus this on asking new customers for reviews, kind of taking the chance to introduce the brand story and the team and really just keep the audience interested in the brand as much as they were interested in the product they bought from you, right? Um, what, what I guess one of the things I always talk about kind of lately is like BFCM is the season of acquisition, right? It's when brands can drive a significant amount of revenue compared to other holidays, but it doesn't mean you're going to be the most profitable. You're probably going to be the least profitable. You might even be break even. So after you acquire customers, you want to nurture them and engage them for as long as possible because you'll make up for that money that you spent to acquire them on that next purchase and that purchase after, right? So you want to be able to just engage and nurture these people over time to be able to eventually be profitable on that. So I, I don't know, we, our team has been, been saying BFCM, the season acquisition, and that just to me is like our whole mindset going into this. I love this idea. And I love the idea that like, okay, Black Friday's done, you're not. You have to now go, you probably acquired new customers. Now it is time to nurture them. I think that's that's a very clever idea. Uh, I have loved this because there have been so many out of the box ideas that I, you know, and I've done this many years that I had not considered or even heard of. Like just brand new stuff to me that I went, and then when I heard it, I went, "Well, oh duh, of course." Like what? Why weren't you doing that, Elster? What's your problem? Um, and so <laughs> I know that you have a, a fantastic offering in which you have brain dumped all of this great knowledge. Tell us about your info product. Yes, I, I have a couple of info products. My main one is a course that basically teaches people um, all about email marketing and really the foundation in the course. So I have, it's a 49 video lesson course. Um, I think that's the one I talked to you about. I don't remember if I talked to you about the BFCM one. Which one did I tell you about that I wanted to, to share with people because I was really excited about it. I was too excited. I can't even remember now. <laughs> Uh, ultimate BFCM okay. email marketing playbook. Okay, amazing. I'm glad I'm glad I asked you because I was going in the wrong direction. So I put together basically a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. I put together, um, it's a 92 page PDF that covers pre, uh, during and post. 
showing you like the the exact campaigns you should send during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, I think I came up with like seven or eight or nine different ideas. I have a bunch of examples. I have some subject lines. I got some swipe copy that people can actually, you know, use. So it's 92 pages of nothing but email marketing content. Um, I've had, a, I think I launched it about a week or two ago. I've had about 250 to 300 people purchase so far. And the feedback's been really, really good. So I wanted to give your audience a special discount on that. And I think it's really just going to help them crush it for their brand or for their client's brand for BFCM and really feel really secure in terms of like, what in the world do I send? How do I send it? And really understanding the why behind what we're doing. And what would I expect to pay for this email guide? Um, so I think the full price is seven forty nine. I want to give an offer to your your audience. Um, I'll make I'll make a code for you after for thirty percent off. Cool. I will put that in the show notes. So I've linked to the product in the show notes awesome. uh, and we'll add the the discount code in there for 30% off. Uh, and I mean, it, if it's half as valuable as the info that Chase has given today, totally worth it. Uh, I, will, I will probably pick one up myself. Chase, thank you so much for this. Where could people go to learn more about you? Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Uh, if you want to be blown up on Twitter with tons of things on email marketing and copywriting, go shoot me a follow. Um, every single day I'm posting email marketing tips, email marketing hacks, you know, scaling, growing an agency, copywriting. So my handle is Ecom Chase Diamond and there's no A in Diamond. So it's just D-I-M-O-N-D, Ecom Chase Diamond. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. And yeah, I have been following him a while. It is nothing but valuable content. No BS. I'm really uh, quite, quite impressed by it. So appreciate excellent. You. Thank you, uh, Chase. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, make sure you get me that discount code and we will leave it there. Let's get out of here. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> Shopify's online store 2.0 is here and I have some very exciting news for you. Out of the Sandbox just updated their best-selling Turbo theme to be online store 2.0 compatible, and it's better than ever. Ooh the Turbo theme is a personal favorite of mine. Its update is packed with features like new faceted filtering, sections on producted content pages, and support for Metafield modifications. Honestly, this is one of the best themes. Plus, out of the Sandbox offers a 14-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. Head over to outofthesandbox.com unofficial to get Turbo today. And don't forget to use the promo code KURT20 for 20% off your theme. That's K-U-R-T-2-0. Save yourself the FOMO. Buy Turbo today. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.